Hey, um, I'm super stoked um, to have you guys with us, if you're, especially if you're new. Um, there was heaps of people over at um, Newish, which was sweet. It was so good to see so many new faces. So stoked you guys are with us. Um, I'm going to pray, which is talking to God, and then we're going to try and get into this passage and see what it has to say. So let's pray. Father, thanks so much that you are a God who speaks to us. Thanks so much that you've given us the Bible, and that's you talking. Thanks that um, you don't leave us in the dark, kind of wondering, oh, is God real? Is he not? You've told us. And um, so we thank you so much for that. And we pray now for our time. We ask that you'd um, help us to understand this passage, God. And we pray that you'd be changing us. And we pray that you'd even save people as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so if you are new with us tonight, I want to um, tell you a little bit about EV Youth um, to try and help you get your head into what we're, going, what we're doing. Um, if, you, if you're not new, basically, um, we believe that there's a God. And I just prayed, I just spoke to God. Um, we believe there's a God who's the creator of the universe. He's the one who, just like your mum makes a cake, he made the world. All right? Except not just like how your mum makes a cake, how she just like gets stuff and puts it together, he like made stuff out of nothing, right? We believe there's that God and he made us and he made us to live for him. But we haven't lived for him. We believe that we have actually, from the Bible it tells us, we believe that we haven't lived the way we were meant to and that's why the world sucks so much. And that's actually, it's a problem in all of us and that's what, that's what sin is, right? And because we've all done that, because we've all rejected God, that's what sin is, then God's actually going to punish us for that. He's going to punish us. He's going to separate us for eternity from Him. Because we're saying to God, Oh, stuff you. And He's like, All right, well, if you don't want me around, don't have me around. The good news is, God made a way for that problem to be fixed by sending His Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could come back to God. And so usually, week by week, what we'll, one of the things we'll do here at EVA Youth, and if you're a regular, you would have heard us do this a lot. Sam, can you sit up? I reckon you'll be able to concentrate heaps better. Thanks, buddy. Um, one of the things we'll do is we'll urge you and tell you how dangerous it is to ignore Jesus. We'll warn you of the danger of not becoming a Christian because it's so dangerous because it means that you'll actually end up spending an eternity away from God who made you. So usually week by week, we'll warn you of this danger. But tonight, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to warn you of the danger of becoming a Christian. Because to become a Christian is a dangerous thing. To become a follower of Jesus is dangerous. And we're going to see it from our passage tonight. And if you've got, if you've got your Bible, open it up. And because I'm going to keep telling you to look down at the verses. So um, open it up. And if you don't have your Bible tonight, how come? Bring it next week. Um, have a look at verse 33. Have a look at the danger of becoming a Christian. Verse 33, this is Jesus speaking. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. He says, if you don't give up everything you've got, you can't be a Christian. That's pretty hectic. So from our passage tonight, we're going to see how extreme it is to be a Christian. So let's get into it. First of all, I want to start right at the the first verse that we had read by Holy Forest. So have a look down at verse 25. We'll find out what's been happening. Verse 25, large crowds have been traveling with Jesus 
And turning them to, to them, he said, so Jesus is traveling around, right? And he's, actually, he's heading to a place called Jerusalem. And he's going to Jerusalem because that's the place where he's going to die. Um, sounds like a funny thing to do. Um, when I get in my car, most of the time, I'm not driving somewhere going, oh yeah, it's been a nice day so far. I went to the beach. Now I'm just going to go for a drive um, to the destination where I'll die. But this is what Jesus is doing for like all of the middle chunk of Luke. He's like, oh, the place where I'm going to die. Sweet, I'm heading there. That's what he's doing, right? He's heading to Jerusalem. And large, 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 large crowds are following Jesus. Large crowds are following Jesus because Jesus has been doing crazy stuff. He's been walking around and being like, bam, crazy miracle, healed you. Walking, bam, say some amazing thing that gets everyone's attention. Be quiet, Pharisee. He's been doing stuff like that, right? Sticking into the religious dudes, doing miracles, saying crazy stuff about the kingdom of God. And so people are like, did you see what that guy just did? He just went, bam, and he healed a dude. And then he just went, bam, and then he, he told someone about how to get to right with God. And so people are like, I want to follow that guy. I want to find out what he's going to do next. I want to find out what happens after the next bam. And so he's got crazy crowds following him. So all these people are around Jesus, right? And Jesus is like, okay, I've got this massive crowd following me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you guys know what you're doing following me? He does, he rec- Jesus figures out, right? He's, he's kind of smart. He's, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem where he's going to get killed. And he's got all these people following him. And he says, well, stop. You guys do not know what you're getting yourself into. You do not know what's going on if you follow me. And so what he does is he wants to warn them. That's what our whole passage is. He warns them of the danger of being a follower of Jesus. And so he tells them two things. He does two things in our little chunk we had read. First of all, he warns them of how dangerous it is. And the second thing he does is he gives two illustrations or two stories to help them see what they have to do to try and figure out, should I follow Jesus or not? And so what I've done is put it, the, the two kind of sections in two different colors. See the top section and the bottom section? They're three warnings he gives. He gives three warnings about what it will mean to follow him. And then that middle white part, they're the two little stories he gives. But I want to look at the warnings first. I want to look at the warnings of being a follower of Jesus. And he does give three things. He does give three warnings. But you can sum it up like this. Basically, he says, following me will cost you everything. Following me will cost you everything. Have a look. Let's work through the the three warnings really quickly. The first one in verse 26. If you've got your Bible, eyes down. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. There's the first warning. Second one, verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You guys might not understand what they're saying. That's okay. Um, The last one, verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus says, following me is going to cost you everything. Your family, your comfort, anything you want out of life, everything. Following Jesus means being ready to say goodbye to it all because following Jesus means making him the number one in your life 
and everything else doesn't even matter. And verse 33 is kind of a summary of the three warnings he gives. The last warning, it's a big summary of the whole passage. So if you understand verse 33, you got the passage. He says, if you don't give up everything, you can't be a Christian. Jesus has got to be number one in your life. Um, now, uh, who here is a surfer? Put your hand up if you're a surfer. All right. And I'm not talking like I go surfing once every six months, I'm a surfer. I mean like you go surfing every week. Yeah? I was one of those, I went surfing every six months surfer, only for a year. So if you do your maths, you'll figure out how many times I surfed. Um, I've got a friend who's a surfer, right? And he's obsessed with surfing. Surfing is the number one thing in his life. He's obviously not a Christian because Jesus isn't the number one thing in his life. His whole life revolves around surfing and it's not that baby. That is not my mate. I just thought that was a funny picture, okay? Um, But everything in his entire life revolves around surfing. So like he chose his bedtime according to when he's going to be able to get the best surf. So he goes to bed really early so he can get up really early so he can get the best waves. He, uh, He chose what kind of job he would have so that he could get the best surf. So he works an afternoon job so that he can get up really early and surf for hours and hours and hours into the day and then work in the afternoon. Which means he, actually, he doesn't really ever get to have dinner with his family because he's working an afternoon job. And then he also doesn't get to hang out with his mates because he works an afternoon job and so he works over, lunch, over dinner as well. And then by the time the end of the day comes, he's so wrecked from spending all day surfing, he like never wants to come out in the movies or anything like that. And even if you like had a night off and you're like, dude, let's go to the movies. He's like, I'm not spending nine bucks on a movie. I'm putting that towards my next surfing trip. So everything in this guy's life revolves around surfing. Surfing is number one. That's what Jesus says we should be like with him. He has to be our number one. So everything else in your entire life, everything is second to Jesus. And to follow Jesus, we have to, we have to put him at the number one's position. And Jesus makes that, that's the big thing he's saying, but he makes the point by giving these three warnings. And he says, one is about hating your family and hating yourself, which is a bit weird. The other one's about carrying your cross. And the last one is the big summary, right? So let's work through the three warnings and try and get a bit more detail. That's the big picture is he's saying, I've got to be number one. It's got, to follow me is going to cost you everything. But let's look at the three warnings to get a bit more detail here. So verse 26 again. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple, cannot be a Christian. Now what is the deal with Jesus telling us to hate our family and hate ourselves? All your heads just went like this. It sounds confusing, doesn't it? And it sounds like he's saying we should be hating one another. Is he serious right now? Does Jesus actually want us to be like angry at our family and at, our, at your brother? Does he really want you to be angry? Because if he did, some, some of you guys are thinking, yes, Jesus just gave me an excuse to be annoying to my little brother. I'm going to use this Bible verse to back myself up. Does Jesus really want us to hate our family? Some of you guys are thinking, I love my family. I don't want Jesus. I don't want to have to hate my family. Does he really want us to hate our family? And does he want us to actually hate ourselves too? Notice there, he didn't just say hate your family. He said, hate yourself. Does Jesus really want us to be 
depressed and down and miserable about ourselves all the time? What we're going to do is we're going to take those questions and we're just going to put them over here for a second. And we're going to come back to them later. Let's have a look at the next one. We'll, we'll kind of throw it all up in the air and then try and figure it all out together. So verse 27, the next one, he says, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, if you're going to be a Christian, the next thing he says is you're going to have to carry a cross, right? What does it mean to carry a cross? Well, we've got a picture of someone carrying their cross. That's what it looks like to carry a cross, right? Now, I want to ask you a question. Does this person look happy? No. What does he look like? He, he's not having a good time, is he? This is an actor pretending to be Jesus, obviously. Um, to carry a cross, back in Jesus' day, right? If, someone, if you saw someone carrying a cross, you knew exactly what was going on. You knew that that person that you're looking at is about to be dead. That's what it meant to be carrying a cross, it meant to carry this massive bit of wood, obviously, and suffer, go through immense suffering, and then arrive at your destination and die. So to carry a cross means to go through heaps of suffering. That's what it means. Does Jesus really want us to go through heaps of suffering? That's kind of weird. What we're going to do is we're going to take that question, and we're just going to put it over here. All right, we'll come back to it. I think the last verse is a big summary of this whole teaching. And so if you understand the last warning he gives, you understand the whole thing. Verse 33, have a look at it. He says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Here's where we find out what Jesus is saying. He's saying in all of this, following me will cost you everything. Be ready to give up everything else. Your family, be ready to give up your family. Because if they try and put you and me, but if they try and come between you and me, you've got to be ready to say goodbye because I've got to be number one. Yourself, your hopes and your dreams for this life, if they try and get in the way of me, Jesus says, kiss them goodbye. To follow me, you'll have to carry your cross. You'll have to go through immense suffering to be one of my people. There might be times where you'll get teased. People will hate on you. People will bag you out for being a Christian. But if you want to be a Christian, you have to take it. Because right then and there, you either choose Jesus or you choose to not follow Jesus. Jesus says, I've got to come first in every situation. I've got to be number one in your life. Not your family, not your friends, not yourself. Not your own comfort, not your own dreams. <laughs> Nothing. For me, part of this when I became a Christian meant music. I actually had to make decisions about what I, because I was like on this one track, right? And I was just like, music is all I want to do. I, like, I was one of those kids who wanted to be a rock star. Pretty lame, looking back now. No, nah, not lame. Some... I wanted to be a rock star, right? And like, and I was on the way, kind of, maybe. I had my, like, if you went down to JB, you could buy my CDs. And I was, like, touring Australia, and I was supporting big American bands. But there came a point when I had to make the decision, am I going to put music before Jesus? I had to make the decision. And I, I chose to put Jesus first, and I'm so thankful that he did that in me, because 
being with Jesus is better than anything else. Now, I just want to clarify something really quickly. When Jesus says, you've got to hate your family, he's not saying, um, despise them. What he's saying is, I've got to come first. So if your family tries to come between us, you've got to say goodbye to them, no to them, bid farewell to them, and you've got to put me in, your, in the first place. So if you, start following to, if you start following Jesus tonight, you can't go home and say, hey mom, guess what? I became a Christian tonight. I hate you now. That, that's not what he's saying to do. He's saying, from, this, from that moment on, your family comes second, Jesus comes first. You still have to love your family. Jesus, a few chapters earlier, he says to some guys, um, you have to love others like you would love yourself. In fact, you've got to love your enemies. And then a few cha- yeah, yeah, that's hard as well. And then a few chapters later, Jesus will say to some bloke in, in, the Bible, in Luke, a couple of chapters later, he says, you've got to honor your father and mother. You've got to respect them. So he's not, st- he's not saying go home and start ragging on your mum and throwing stuff at her. Don't do that. He's saying, Jesus comes first. Like my friend, the surfer, just like how surfing is the number one thing in his life, Jesus is going to be the number one thing in your life. So guys, following Jesus will cost you everything. Are you ready for that? Now, a lot of you guys aren't from Christian homes, and I know that with some of you, you've already had to have those really hard conversations with your parents and say, Mom, Dad, I actually, you, I know you don't want me to come to youth, but I do want to come to youth. I want to put Jesus first, and you're still here. I know there's some of you guys here, and I'm thanking God heaps that you've made the decision to follow Jesus. For me personally, following Jesus has, a, has had a massive impact on my family life, on my relationships with my sister and my dad and some of my aunties and uncles. We used to be heaps tight, but Jesus came between us. We still get along, but it's not quite the same. And I know lots of you guys as well do come from Christian homes, but that doesn't mean that there won't be times when you have to say no to your family as well. Sometimes even Christian family will want you to put them first because none of us are perfect. None of us will and none of us do follow Jesus perfectly yet. That's why we need to follow Jesus. So there will be times when you have to say no to your Christian family as well. There will be times when they want you to miss out on youth or church or Bible reading or G-teams or so that you can do family stuff and I've got to say here as well, missing youth and church isn't the end of the world. If you, if you miss a week of youth, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian anymore. But if your family constantly takes you away from, fam- from church or from youth, then you might have to have an awkward conversation with your folks and say, Mum, Dad, um, I really would love to go. I'd really love it if I could miss this thing, this family event, because I think Jesus would prefer me to go to youth. Because... Jesus is on about church. He's on about his people coming together to sit under his voice in the Bible. So are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to put your family second and Jesus first? Are you prepared to look uncool for Jesus? Are you prepared to be uncool? Because following him might mean that you get teased. And people might think you're lame for not swearing at school and not participating in their rude jokes or not doing sexual stuff before you're married. 
People might tease you and say you're uncool. If you're not ready to be uncool for Jesus, you cannot be a Christian. Now, you, you guys see how dangerous it is to become a Christian? If you're thinking of following Jesus, this is the sort of stuff you've got to ask. You've got to ask these questions first. Are you ready to give up everything for Him? Now, just really quick, um, giving up stuff doesn't make you right with God. Jesus makes you right with God for free, so it's not about what you do. But this is how people who've been saved by God have to live. Now, what Jesus said to this crowd is crazy, right? And so, he knows that it's massive. He knows that he's just blown people's minds. And so, he doesn't want people to make a decision lightly. He doesn't want you guys, if you're thinking about following Jesus, he doesn't want you to make that decision lightly. Um, yeah, follow Jesus. Um, yeah, well, okay. He doesn't want you to make a decision like that. And so, what he does is, he tells the crowd two little stories to try and help them think about counting the cost. And here's basically, here's the gist of the two stories. He says, count the cost before following me. We'll look at this really quickly. We'll probably just look at one question for the sake of time. What he does is he gives this little story. And the first is a story about building a tower, and as you do. Uh, and the second one is about going to war. So the first one, we'll just have a look at that one. Jesus says, if you're going to build a tower, make sure you've got enough cash to build it. Right? Have a look at verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay a foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. This is just basic maths, all right? Jesus is like, you're going to build a tower. Sweet. It's going to cost you a million dollars, right? And so you're like, okay, a million bucks. All right, well, let me just check if I've got the cash. You pull out your wallet and you're like, Oh, dang, I've only got $500,000 in my wallet. That sucks. Can't build the tower. All right? If you're smart, you won't build the tower. Because you get halfway, and then you have to stop, and you have, like, the weird tower that doesn't go anywhere. And birds will poo on it, and then it'll smell, and then everyone will be like, oh, you're the guy who made the stinky tower. You suck. So Jesus' point is... Following him is going to cost you everything, all right? Everything. You've got to be willing to put everything before Jesus. Are you ready for that? That's his point of these stories. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared to give up everything for him? Because he wants you to count the cost before following him. Otherwise, if you don't count the cost, then you might start saying to everyone, Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Woohoo! But then hard times might come. And you might give up on Jesus. You might take the easy way out. When your family wants them, you to put them first, you might choose your family instead of Jesus. When the choice is between being cool or being godly, you might choose being cool. Or when it's between suffering for being a Christian or taking the easy road, you might take the easy road. So guys, are you prepared to put Jesus first? That's what you've got to ask yourself. That's what you've got to ask yourself before you start following Jesus. And if you are following Jesus, it's good to ask yourself that again. Think about it again. Am I ready to keep putting Jesus first in my life? 
I'm going to finish with this. Um, after hearing what following Jesus will mean for your life, it, I can imagine that some of you guys are probably sitting there thinking, why would anyone follow Jesus? It doesn't seem worth it at all. It seems like it's going to be heaps hard. Why would anyone be a Christian if it's going to cost you so much? You're thinking, how could it possibly be worth it? Well, Jesus answers that question a couple of chapters later. And I'll, when I'm, I'll tell you what it I'll tell you what he says, and then we'll put it on the screen, we'll read together. <clears throat> Basically, he says, is it worth it? Yes. If you give up everything for me, it will be worth it, because you're going to get to go to heaven. We'll have a look at it on the screen together. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. He says, no one who gives up everything for me will regret it. You won't regret it. You'll find joy in being part of my people now and then you'll get eternal life. You get to be in heaven forever with God. Eternal peace. So following Jesus, is it worth it? Yes. But count the cost first. Because you've got to be prepared to put Jesus first and everything else second. Are you prepared to do that? How about we pray? God, thanks so much for this part of the Bible. Thank you that you, um, you kept Jesus' words for us here so that what he said 2,000 years ago we can have read here today. Thank you that we see that to follow Jesus will mean having him as number one in our life. And I pray for all the guys now as we um, keep thinking about this stuff in discussion groups. Um, they have good discussions about it. They keep chatting. Um, they talk about what it means for them in their life. And I pray, God, that we'd have many, many, many more people who would decide to put Jesus first and put everything else second so that they could have eternal life as well. And I pray for the Christians here and that they'd keep putting Jesus first and everything else second. I pray, God, that you give them the strength to do that. Please encourage them and help them to keep going strong. In Jesus' name, amen.